Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? I think they will get one of those Champions League places. Should be an absolutely phenomenal achievement for Eddie Howe and his players. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, lots going on. So Champions Cup quarterfinal weekend has come and gone. Semi-final lineup is as follows. We will have Leinster against Toulouse at the Aviva Stadium. That will be Saturday, April 29th. Three o'clock kickoff and La Rochelle have Exeter the next day. URC weekend is upcoming around 17 of 18. So it's crunch time. Lines against a very inexperienced Leinster is this Saturday, three o'clock Irish time. And then Munster go in search of points and they need points. They have the Stormers that Saturday, quarter past five Irish time. Closer to home, Ulster have the Dragons Friday night and Connacht will be at home to Cardiff Saturday evening, 7.35. Very happy to say Rory O'Connor is here in studio. Hello. Evening, Joe. Uh, of the Irish Independent, of course. And Gordon Darcy is with us. Hello. Good evening. Hi, guys. Good evening. Uh, can we just start uh, for a moment on Toulouse 54, Sharks 20. By the way, a more competitive game than the scoreline suggests. It doesn't reflect the first 60, 70 minutes of the game. But uh, Rory, I found myself watching this and it was an amazing game generally. But in Anton Dupont, what the hell are we seeing here? Yeah. Like, this is nuts. Every time I watch him, I'm thinking, this is off the charts. And anyone who saw the game on Saturday will know the array of skill and flair and execution and power and speed and intelligence and any other quality you want to mention. I just think I, I, I did find myself saying, what the hell are we seeing here in this guy? He's a phenomenon. And in a sport where they, you know it prides itself on teamwork and values, you do need a superstar. And he is this generation superstar. He... He has the potential to transcend the sport in a World Cup year. You know, he's he's born in the right place at the right time. Um, he's already, you know, he's not killing Mbappe levels of fame in France, but he's he's the he's the biggest thing they have going for them in this World Cup year. He's on the front page of GQ. Um, you know, he's appearing at events. He's he's he, he, he's appearing away from the sports pages, but it, he seems to be able to do that without letting it affect his performances. Um, he's he, he's able to just dominate games in a way that few other players are like it's such a complex game with so many moving parts mm. that it's really hard for a player to, to 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 catch the eye in the way that he does in every game that he plays but his decision making sometimes his own teammates don't look like you know look like they're frustrated by what he does but it nearly always comes off his strength the Mac Hansen tackle in that Ireland game the things he's able to do he, he gets you up out of your seat and you know he will be in Dublin in three, two weeks time and look there's a great game to be had and, and Leinster have a chance to get into a final and 52,000 odd people will buy tickets for numerous reasons but one of the reasons they'll go is because it's a chance to see Antoine Dupont in his prime in the flesh because he is this generation's superstar you know you know, like you can talk about all time greats and you can talk about comparing positions you know McCall was obviously the dominant force of his generation with Carter Lomu before that was the one who changed the game altogether but you know what age is Dupont now? He's about twenty twenty six. Like you know, he he is at right now. He is the game superstar, and he's playing. You know, not that far away, and we see him quite regularly, and it's 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 amazing. You know, he's he's playing in that Toulouse team. He played the game the right way. He plays for a French team that play an incredible 
brand when they want to. You know, he's a smart decision maker. He's a leader. He's got it all. He's 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 fantastic. Mm. Gordon, I don't know if you caught the game Saturday. If you didn't, it's fine. He was just his usual uh, self. Where would you rank him across the scrum halves, for instance, that you've seen over the last 20, 30 years? Oh, geez. <laughs> nice, easy question to start with, Joe. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, put me on the spot. Um, no, I did. I did see the match. It's um, like he's up there with um, with pretty much every one of them. And I think the bit that's setting him apart is like if you go back and you you might have a, a brilliant pass for the ball, Peter Stringer. Um, you might have had a, like a real aggressive Justin Marshall, something like that. You know, something like Perry Whippu, guys who like really excel. George Gregan, that kind of um, you know that. You know the type of player that George Breeding was a bit, a bit of a bit of everything, but not at this level. He does he have a weak? Does he have a, a weakness? You know the you know the the clasping at straws is probably tries to overplay it, but as uh, Rory was saying, um, it invariably comes off. I think one of the things with him though is he's playing in such a phenomenal team that um, I think you have to give an awful lot of credit to the players that are around him, both at France and at Toulouse, in that one, maybe if it doesn't go off, they'll they'll tidy up for him, but they seem to be tidying up for each other across the across the board. But um he's standing out in a team that delivers standout moments continually, which is just bizarre. Um like you you know, um everybody's still talking about uh, Anton Dupont and it was uh, Ramos was unbelievable in that match yeah. and you're still talking about this guy so I think that's that's kind of where where we are at, 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 at the moment it's just really the game he is that player that didn't suit the game 10 years ago um, but the way he plays the game um, the way the game is being as evolved probably maybe is the right word in the last three years with rules and um, a little bit of tinkering at the breakdowns and, few, and, and well, rules, enforcing of rules, maybe. Um, higher tempo it is really suiting a player like him. Um, so it's kind of everything arriving at the same, the right place, the right time. Um, and it's, and Rory's hit the nail on the head. Like, you, you, people are going to buy tickets for this match because it is the two most enjoyable teams uh, going head to head. Yeah, it's amazing. And thank God rugby has evolved that way. I want no part in a sport that is evolving away from suiting and Anton Dupont and his skill set. Uh, Rory, seeing as we started on that game, a word on it. I mean, when Grant Williams, who I appreciate plays wing as well, but when he sprinted in for his try, I just thought, my God, the speed. It was akin to when you listen to your podcast on one and a half speed. Mm. Like it was just, I'm, I'm sure some elder statesman or Gordon in his elder years, there'd be a fear of being exposed out there because two lightning teams and they came to play uh, yeah absolutely and the Sharks just couldn't sustain it and, and you know whether it's a po- it's possible to sustain that level of pace on the back of long haul flights and in, in you know in, in economy class is, is is a big question but they um, they had a right good go at it the, the, the Sharks and they they showed up in, in the way that you would kind of hope that the South Africans would and they tested this to Toulouse team across 50, 50 odd minutes but they just couldn't sustain it against it like Toulouse have a deeper squad they have a bench that can come on they you know they've quality quality players in every position and then they can replace them with quality players as well they have they're one of the three teams in this competition who have the depth that you can go as as deep as possible but 
you know, when you see the Stormers and the Sharks at full tilt, less so the, the other two teams, but those two are, are able to live in this company. Certainly their starting 15s are, and they can play it. Like, they obviously have the physical attributes to, to mix it up front. And you know, if they were playing without Etzebeth, he, w- he would have made a big difference with them at the weekend. But they can win those collisions. They can stop the likes of Miyafu getting over the game line sometimes, even if, if, if it's possible to do it over 80 minutes. But they also have that incredible game-changing speed outside and, and also a capacity to go from anywhere... I've been searching in my head for the name of their ten, and it keeps it keeps evading me. But he, like his his capacity to counter attack like a like a fullback was really really impressive as well. And he opened up spaces and he found holes in that Toulouse defence on on the counter that Leinster will look to expose in a few weeks' time as well. So I mean the way they took Munster apart a couple of weeks ago, they, on paper they're a fantastic team. They often don't live up to it. I mean they're still eighth in the URC, which is crazy. Mm. But they kept brought a lot to the party and they brought the best out of Toulouse. But the way that Toulouse opened up in the last half an hour and the rugby they played you know it, it ceased to be a contest but it didn't really matter because it was so enjoyable to watch and, and they're a phenomenon like they are a clear and present danger to Leinster's ambitions as they come to Dublin a couple weeks and they're a much better team this year than they were a year ago Yes okay Gordon slightly um, technical question I feel in particular because we've been comparing the uh, various out halves available to Johnny Sexton that are like there's like an obsession at the moment with oh look at the hips you know where look at Johnny's hips and look at every other ten's hips and uh, where I feel like I have that crabbing across the pitch uh, tendency uh, I'm, I'm on the lookout for it increasingly. What struck me about Toulouse uh, and a couple of their tries is there were times where they were like crabbing across the pitch and you would think oh the touchline is about to become a big friend of the Sharks and someone's about to be smashed and into touch. And it seems when Toulouse get out into the touchline, I don't know, is it the quality of the support runners or the skill set, but they seem to, there's a pass back inside, quick as you like, boom, boom, boom. Uh, they seem particularly brilliant when they're in that tight situation on the touchline. I, I don't know what your read on that is. Um, yeah, that's just um, Toulouse doing what, what they've, what they've uh, been doing brilliantly, and I suppose embracing French rugby. This probably all started back in 2019, I think, when the, um, France really started going back to that uh, roots of the really deep second wave passes, getting the ball into pace guy, getting their, getting their pace men with the ball in hand. But the difference, I think, with, say, a lot of their outside backs is they're comfortable making decisions at high pace. So that's what you're talking about, getting into those wider channels. But they're stressing the defence. So the defence can't react. So as soon as they see somebody uh, being pulled out of the line, they let the ball go. So if somebody overchases, they let the ball go back on the inside and they expect somebody to be in there. If somebody steps in, which they did a number of times, um, it's that real um, nerve when you're the person on the outside. How long can you stay on the touchline? And how long can the defender stay there to mark you? while he's trusting the inside defender to uh, hunt down the guy. And as soon as his head, look, you talk about hips, but as soon as you see eyes coming in and the ball's released, they're they're, they're gone. Mm. And they're just so good at that. And I think that is that is something that this Toulouse team are very, very good at, making those decisions in the wide channels. But they're doing it at such pace. You talk about, like, as you're talking about the saying the, the hips with, uh, with, with Johnny Sexton, these guys are just looking for eyes. As soon as an eye comes in or feet get planted, you're dead in the wide channels. And that's all they're looking for. But they've been doing this now for four or five years. Uh, so they're so comfortable in that. And they're very similar to Leinster and top teams that when the ball goes to ground, they don't, like there's no, you know, hands in the air. There's no, it's just, it didn't work that time. We just keep going, keep coming. And they do, it's just that wave and wave of wave of attack that say in this, in this exam, the Sharks weren't able to, um, 
the Sharks weren't able to live with and Leicester weren't able to live with with uh, Leinster because they just know they're going to get the ball back and they're just going to keep going and they're going to keep going. And do you share Rory's sense that the 2023 version of Toulouse will arrive into Dublin in better shape than last year? Um, yeah, they do look, you look at, um, you look at some of the kind of key players are, seem to be back on a bit of form. You know, was there a bit of a hangover from, you know, it's hard to gauge how good DuPont is because you kind of have to go, you know, he did, wasn't playing as well as he possibly could maybe during the Six Nations all the time and a little bit post with, uh, with, with Toulouse. But Tamak and Ramos, you know, the back three that they're, um, what is the the winger? The bell. Yes, thank you. I couldn't. I couldn't get his. He has been really, really impressive as well. They're two like you know, just his ability to beat players in the wide channels um, is going to be is going to be uh, is going to be an issue. But it's going to be a, it's it's a good old fashioned in the best parts of the way a toe to toe slugging match of open field running, which makes for a brilliant, uh, which makes for a brilliant uh, spectacle. Yeah, but yeah, this is, is, is yeah. To actually answer your question, it is a better version of Toulouse that's coming. And Caputo could be back as well, so that'll just throw another name into the mix. You know, he'd be he'd be an exciting one to see as well live. And in a, you know, we see what he can do in a in an Italy team that's improving. But you throw him into that back line with the, with those threats, and yeah. um, he didn't do much against Munster in the games. Um, in the pool stages, but this this looks set up for him if he can get fit. But it'd be hard to get him in, you know. It's hard. They've uh, there as well. Like I think he's leaving at the end of the season. I mean, you just keep listing names, but they're they're array of options and talent. Like last year, they were coming off the back of that extra time game against Munster. They'd won the double the previous season. Most of them have won the Grand Slam. It was I think it was tough. They were on their last legs. Whereas they play Stad and Leon over the next two games, which is the second and third second and fourth place teams in the sorry, third and fourth place teams in the top 14, but they have a six-point cushion on La Rochelle who are in a similar boat to them. I think they can probably go hard at one of them and then rest up for the other. Obviously, Leinster have sent the the, 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 the Espoirs off to South Africa and can rest up everyone, but um, I think they're both going to be putting a serious focus on this game. So, uh, parallel universe, Gordon uh, Ramos plays for Leinster. He's on his own end line and he passes the ball soccer style back to uh, Rob Carney and he sits in the dressing room with you afterwards and he says hey buddy do you like that are you telling him don't you ever ever do that again or are you nodding approvingly saying more of that please whatever you feel like doing buddy yeah more of that give it to me um, I'd love it um, like it, it's doing it on the pitch like, so the thing is if you're doing that on the pitch you're doing that in training and that goes back to you know early days Leinster under Alan Gaffney and he's just like lads whatever you think go for it doesn't matter how crazy it is just if the thought process is right the execution can, if you can do, if you can back yourself to do the execution go for it uh, uh, David Knox when he was when he was in Leinster same thing he's encouraging that because there because if you don't do stuff differently you know, you don't, um, you know, defences are going to continually to swamp you. But as soon as you can make them guess. And the great thing about that is defences are going to guess now the next time he's running with his back to the ball, with his with his back to you. The same way anybody who's running down uh, to Mac um, when he's back in the covering field, they don't, he doesn't want to get turned in uh, like a turkey when like when uh, when Mac did against New Zealand Um in the November series two years ago, I think. Um, but yeah, like it's, I, I gotta say, it, I was looking at it, I was loving it, and it does feel like the coach is there going, yeah, 
if that's what if that's what we need to do to push the envelope to win trophies, then I think it has. But the king is he've got the skill, once you've got the skill set to do it. Um, I tried a few things once upon a time, and um, I remember getting my centre colleague just a little reminder in the ear, and just went, <laughs> "Some things should be left should should be left uh, should be left behind." Let's talk uh, Leinster. We'll call this section the split Leinster in two section. Huh. So Richard uh, Wigglesworth has uh, seen Dan McFarland and raised him. Now his comments aren't OTT, I think. He was speaking after the defeat and he said 30 points, big enough golf. They were the better team, an outstanding team who are quite rightly favourites to lift the trophy. And he did say, because I think people have said, well, it's great coaching. I think even Benster made the point that there's good coaching going on as well. But Wigglesworth, to be fair to him, did say they're an outstanding team and they have quality internationals and they have quality coaches and they've been together a long time. None of that's in question. But the gulf is in what you have available to spend. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm not asking to spend more money. I'm just being clear. So that made headlines akin to McFarland, the uh, previous round, talking about finances and demographics. Uh, Big picture here, Rory, and you can put some meat on the bone. It's worth just... uh, teasing out where Leinster are in, in, in the grand scheme of things. So in France, as we know, the salary cap, it was 11.3 million. They're moving it down as we speak to 10 million. Mm. That's pretty much double <coughs> the premiership salary cap, which I think is about 5.6. Yeah. We can park the Welsh regions and the Scottish clubs for now. I think the South Africans are increasingly going down the route of uh, private money, but theirs is around 3.3. Yeah. In terms of the Leinster budget, like questions I have jotted down, what exactly is it how does it compare to other Irish provinces? How does it compare to English and French clubs? And then the makeup of it, be it IRFU central contracts or private funding or gate receipts or TV money. And uh, how does that compare to other provinces as well? I would presume favourably given they've more centrally contracted players. So yeah. I'm asking a lot of you there. Yeah, so, uh, well, firstly, you mentioned the 5.6 million that England has, but there is a number of marquee players I can't remember the exact numbers of two or three now that you can sign outside of your cap <clears throat> also if you bring through younger players you get credits towards your cap so if you have a good academy that's bringing through you get credits towards it so you can that is slightly malleable but it is there it's 5.6 and it's obviously it's it's very it's t- you know Saracens broke it and, and now teams have to stay within it because they you know Saracens got relegated as a result and, and also all the teams are are broke to, to a lesser or greater extent and, and that's a big problem for them but it's self-imposed by the Premiership which is run by the club so that's why they have it there is no salary cap in Irish rugby and there is no salary cap in the Champions Cup Leinster's budget is quite opaque because the RFU list a figure of 60.5 million for professional games cost across everything so that's the tours um, so this is last year so New Zealand the New Zealand tour the cost of sending that team off the merging Imagine that will be this year, but um, camps booking out Carton House for six weeks or eight weeks at a time, plus you know, well, nine weeks really matches, and also funding for the provinces. You look at you look at Leinster. It's about you would say about six seven million plus what they get off the IRFU in in, in central contracts. Um, they have eight players in central contracts after yesterday's announcement. Um, so if you if you're conservative and say each of those players is on about three fifty K, that's about two point eight to three million off the book. So the IRFU basically fund that. Now all the money comes from the IRFU and, and people would say that you're this is all just massaging numbers, but that allows them that, that 2.83 million allows them to go and get Michael Alatoa to back up Ty Furlong, Jason Jenkins to back up uh, James Ryan, Charlie Natai to back up their two Ireland centres. They would argue that all their Ireland players are taken away for for 
big chunks of the season and they need to have experienced players to sustain them through the URC season they don't so there's 14.1 million spent on top of that by the RFU on elite player development that falls outside of the the, the budget as as per se they're obviously spending money on their coaches as well which would fall outside that that, that figure figure as well and um, although it will be in the 60 60 million um overall figure but it wouldn't be in their playing budget as such the, and they have very good coaches they've a superstar coaching team they've got a you know former england coach a former wales assistant coach they've got a former crusaders assistant underneath um leo leo cullen who will be on good money himself so like it's important to know that Leinster have a big budget that's pretty much on par with any with most of the French teams in terms of the playing budget and it's bigger than what the English teams have but they also spend it wisely they have demographic advantages yeah. that we that we know about they you know they've a good population they they sit on top of a schools network that's very well funded by um you know by boosters and you know like the, the private the, money private it's private money and they don't have to spend it and they get gifted a, a, a conveyor belt a very good player apparently they're under 19s this year is the best crop they've ever had right. so like it's not going to stop but so at the same time it's about using your advantages no, for you sure. know so so, so you, you th- swirl all that together what are you talking you 11 12 million I think around 11 would be would be around safe so you know but like Toulouse's 10 million doesn't include their coaches I'm including coaches and stuff in okay. that so you know it has to be estimated I have to estimate because it's not a figure that's fully disclosed by the RFU. They don't, you know, the Lancer don't publish their accounts. Mm. Um, we would be able to have a more informed discussion if they did. Yeah. But I don't think they should shy away from it either. Leo Collins, obviously, and, and Stuart Lancaster were both quite annoyed by the, the, the some of the noises that are coming out of opposition camps. Like, they are excellent coaches. There is excellent coaching going on at every level of these players' development that produces them. And also, they're spending that budget within a restricted environment. They can't go out and sign whoever they want. They have to play Irish players. They the they can only they're only allowed to go to the market for three or four players that they have to sign players who qualify for Ireland largely so it's not like they they're sitting on a mine of of Polynesian talent or South African forwards and they're able to go out and they can only sign one of those yes. so it's it's different like there are parameters put around their spending um, that that you know that they do hold them back so it's not like for like with Leicester who can afford to go out and sign the World Cup winning out half from South Africa yeah. um, and Jasper Visa who's a very good player as well so um, it's it's slightly opaque but we've a fair idea and I don't think Leinster can play the poor mouth and, and pretend that they don't have a big budget but nor should they I think shy away from the fact that they have a big budget because they bring in good money like they're not the Irish rugby brings in good money and it spends it on rugby it doesn't take much money home people have made the point that uh, Richard Wigglesworth played for Saracens so mm. if you want to talk about adherence to rules and fairness there's a rich irony there but what's more what he didn't uh, get at I think is this is sustainable which is the point you're making there this has been sustainable for a number of years uh, I can understand the frustration of the Leinster coaching ticket Gordon as this becomes a, a go-to for defeated coaches um, there is a degree of deflection to it I would think I mean what can I do against uh, big bad Leinster and their, their huge advantages that's a that's you taking the words right out of my mouth. The timing of it for me was so so off. Um, in a post match, it wasn't a question, you know. Oh well, you know, are you are are you guys able to compete? It, like voluntarily brought it up himself to go. Hey, well, it seems so prescribed that it was all the excuses already at the forefront of his head. Uh, by the time the interview had started, and the same with Dan McFarland, I felt that as well as they're going. Well, you know, little old us, how are we how are we supposed to compete against this? Um, so for me, yeah, the timing was completely off um, and completely designed. Like, that, look what we're talking about. We're talking about this, not what happened on the pitch. Um, 
like and what's what is happened on the pitch is there's you know Leinster's um excellent coaching over the last number of years since Leo took over um you know back in uh, whatever 2015 when he took over um you know continually delivering at a, at a, at a high level mm. are you sensing in the game then uh what looks like a degree of almost if not resentment jealousy perhaps over Leinster I, I I don't hear this kind of sentiment about other clubs all that often no but like I think from Wigglesworth's a young coach being thrown into you know interim head coach um was doing everything right um was going through the different coaching ranks I think it was Ealing Trailfinders and in as the someone else in as the um skills coach attack coach and has kind of been thrust in the head coach um and I would I genuinely kind of it, it look it, you know you give it a pass this one time it looks like a bit of a rabbit in the headlight reaction to it um but no like a team sitting third in the premiership I think um yeah shipping the amount of points um in a match and looking you know I suppose the way I tried to describe it today was saying there was positive aspects from their play but this isn't a team in transition so that's not good enough to walk away from mm. uh from the Aviva like you were they were fairly fairly well beaten across most avenues of the uh, team and like to score 10 points uh in 10 minutes with a player down like you're kind of looking at what's happening on the pitch there and going we need to we, we need to be better in here not pointing fingers across the uh, across the desk a little bit like money's part of it Joe but like yeah. if, if it was all down to money Bath would be the champions of England every year because they throw money at, at the wall like every year and at the moment they have Johan van Graan as their head coach and they're signing Finn Russell next season now that is the most misaligned combination of coach and star player that you could possibly imagine but he's a star name so that, why not sign him um, Leicester champions of England the English Rugby Union came and took their entire coaching staff halfway through this season and Wigglesworth just left there Recent, he was playing this season he only retired he was a kind of player coach and he retired halfway through the season so what chance sorry they obviously like their champions of England they're obviously very good but they play a very limited game plan um, whereas Leinster, Toulouse and, and, Ras, or, and La Rochelle play a much more modern winning brand of rugby as well Leicester's game plan will only take them so far but also the coach that put all the building blocks in place was whisked away from them after two and a half seasons to coach England halfway through the year so there's no alignment between the RFU and the clubs that helps them to succeed the sense of defeat English rugby seems really defeated right now yeah. it's been three years since we were obsessed with with, with England yeah. and how they were Saracens were better than Leinster bigger better than Leinster, better than Leinster. Like Saracens obviously the salary cap thing also their players have stopped playing well you know Atoje the Budapolis they're all over the hill like Farrell is still is still going but like I told you, he shouldn't be over the hill. He's not that old, but he, he's not. He, to see them physically bullied at the weekend. Like that for the. I mean, and I know again the salary cap. They have lost Skelton and they've lost Lamasatelli who and and Koch, Like they're they're, they're two yeah. tight head totems. But at the same time, Mako Vinopola and Billy Vinopola, Billy got injured. But like they were both dominant figures four or five years ago. They're not anymore, so they weren't able to to sustain it. Like English rugby, they've lost two clubs this season. They they used to blame relegation. Now relegation is gone, and they found new new things to blame. I mean. It's they, a funny they have, go on. It's like the Saracens one is a good example. So they're the one team. Okay, so obviously they spent loads and loads of money that they, in a, in a, in a fashion they shouldn't have, and they paid the price for it. But they've all talked about the culture within that squad. This is the first time, and that's the only team in England you would probably say has the has the potential, has the structures or the culture within it to withstand a regeneration 
process. And that exactly what you're saying. You got Farrell coming to the end of his um his you know not not the power that he was. Vinopola and all the players uh, the two is aging out now. The players that they've lost. This is a real test for the Saracens uh, club over the next while to see can they is it possible for a club to regenerate in the modern era because you look at every other club that goes out and they buy a title you look at what sale do like um sale just buy players and they get to the you know they get to the door but they can never go through it there's a reason why saracens have been so dominant because they do have a strong culture within that club that's tested now leicester you look what borthwick did over there it was a jordy murphy squad he came in um and played the numbers with them and it was win championship games from the minute one play f- all the territory opposition big defense but that we know that game plan doesn't work at the next level up so that's where wigglesworth is probably caught between the rabbit and caught between two the the two stools as well kind of going okay i need to see i need to keep winning but like if you try to change something in the middle of a season, so you got to do. I suppose I do feel for the guy if you want to try and emulate these clubs. Like it's a two three year deal, but then do English clubs have that sort of timeline? I'm not sure. I'm not sure they do. Like Van Graan in Bath, you're just there going like, wow, that just that's a great uh, example of English rugby. So you've signed the owner has signed Van Graan for whatever reason I've heard because one of the South African players said he's brilliant. And now the coach is probably not, sorry, the owner is probably signing Finn Russell going, that's who I like him. Now Van Graan, you coach him. Like, that's the definition of madness. It took Saracens years. Like, Saracens were in semi-finals and finals. They lost, I remember the picture of um, Wilkinson for Toulon consoling a young Owen Farrell. It was like almost the, the moment. But, you know, Toulon had their empire. It was a three-year thing. That was all money. Um Salary caps didn't apply down there at that stage. I mean, that was a that was a guns for hire. That was the South African 07 team plus a few Wallabies from from a like that was that was a real and Gordon came across them a few times. Like that was a real you know get the gang together for for a couple of years and and like they're still going in the in the Challenge Cup now, but they haven't they've only ever been to three semi finals and they won it each time. I I, th- I think if I'm if I'm correct, Sarri's built up during their time and then they were around for longer and there was something but it took them a long time and Leicester were building something but even Wigglesworth like he's given out but he's gone to England as well at the end of the season and they're bringing in Dan McKellar from the Wallabies who was a very good coach and, and uh, you know but, that, yeah. like you know th- there's no it's not and, like that's unlucky on Leicester that's not Leicester's fault that the RFU have basically taken even the fitness coach like, they're supposed to have the the marquee fitness guy, Alan Walters, this guy Munster used to have, he went to Springboks, then he went, but they were out, they, were, they weren't as fit as Leinster last weekend. No. I mean, that's within your control. You can be fitter than Leinster. You know, maybe, you know, they had a lot of players in their late 30s, and that, maybe that's part of the salary cap thing, but that's what they need for the Premiership. But well, that's it, a really nuanced point, Rory, because it's, uh, and I bumped into one of the Leinster players and just talking to him, and he's just saying, like, you must really enjoy playing rugby at the moment. And he's saying, like, it's brilliant. Two different types of, um, Two different types of approaches. One in Leinster, such high tempo, high skills, sorry, high te- tempo, high skill expectation. And then you go into Andy Farrell. Still, they're going to play because we're going to we're going to attack more than we're going to defend. But it's going to be a little bit more relaxed approach. He said it's 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 a real nice change up in the going. But one of the things I kind of joked about is there, but like it's so much easier to attack, isn't it, than defend? And he went, "Oh my God, it's like light and day." There, I'll happily happily keep running to attack. And defend so that switch has just massively clicked with these guys. I don't think it is a fitness thing. So you put those lads out and you just say, right, you start doing your testing. I go back to this point all the time. You go into the gym, you go on to do your fitness markers. There will be nominal 
difference between those players. Right. But you put, you play to territory, you play to give a team the ball and you're going to have to defend and you're not built for it. Yeah, like you, if you want to, if you want to talk about fitness, if you want to defend for 60% of the game, um, is that right? Yeah, defend for yeah, 60%. If you want to defend and not attack, you look, you're looking at a very different type of um very different type of fitness. And that's why teams struggle against uh, these guys, the real purveyors of um, of the modern it's, game, because yeah. they just keep coming and coming and coming. That's a very interesting read on it, because the point has been made a lot in recent weeks and months. Ireland are fitter than their opposition. And that didn't quite make sense to me when sports science is so readily available across the board. So maybe it is that aspect. The other odd thing about these comments, by the way, more so from Wigglesworth than maybe McFarland, is we're not in the midst of like Leinster's five in a row here. Like we're talking one in ten years. Like Saracens and Exeter have swooped in and won them since Leinster last managed to win a Champions Cup. Like there is no doubt, there is no doubt Leinster must be the most efficient team at dispatching the lesser lights. They they make it they like they they routine. But that hasn't served them well when they get a punch in the face in the latter stages. And like, who knows, even this year, to what extent it will. Toulouse will have a crack. You would presume La Rochelle will have a crack. And then we could be uh, revisiting these comments in a very different light. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny when, the, you know, after, after they lose, no one's talking about this stuff. It's a bit like, you know, the, the Dublin thing. No one's talking about Dublin's funding anymore because they haven't won in Ireland for two years. And, and I think if Dublin, Desi Farrell has got the gang back together, if they go and win it this year, suddenly everyone will want to split them in five again. The... The thing with like Leinster have to prove it again, you know. It's one, as you say, one title in, in eleven years. It's not good enough for them, really. You know, for, for the quality that they have, and it's going to be difficult for them. Like they're missing Sexton, who's their, you know, their generational, like the the greatest, probably one of the greatest ever players, if not their greatest. And um, the driving force, their captain. They're currently missing the World Player of the Year, who we don't, we we think will be back, but we're not sure. Baird, we, like last week, I was in waxing lyrical about Baird. He's he, he's gone probably for the game. Um, James Lowe is a bit is going to be a big doubt as well. And there, there's a few other guys. You know, Ronan Keller is not there. They're they're currently playing with a a 21, 22 year old hooker on the bench who's who's is very new. Like there are chinks in their armour and, and like a Toulouse because they are so high quality across the board who and are able to play that high tempo attacking game and live with them can test them and will test them and then Rog is lurking in the in the, in, in the wings having done it to them twice in a row now um, and you never you don't in fairness to like the French clubs don't like don't really focus on this stuff you know the French clubs admire Leinster and they're wary of the fact that they're home the whole way through but they also think they can beat them mm. What the, the greatest trick they've ever played over the English clubs is that they now don't believe they can win against Leinster which is frankly baffling to me that, that a great rugby nation like England has got itself in such a hole uh, Brian Moore in the Telegraph so this is the rich getting richer uh, he's talking about Leinster and the Aviva Stadium it's surely not right that any side should have four home games including the final one contesting Europe's top club tournament in particular no club should have a home tie for a final in effect he just thinks Leinster playing at the Aviva for a final that's not fair in a European stadium there's got to be a way around that um I have to say I, I agree with them. I don't think it's right that Leinster should play the Heineken Champions Cup final at the Aviva Stadium. But are you then saying that Ireland should never host the final? A country that gives more to this tournament than any other country really in terms of fans. I, I think the Irish fans have to pay to go abroad to, to watch finals. No, I understand. Or are you saying we should play it in Porky Cueve or Croke Park? Yes, they probably. are. Probably. Ostensibly neutral venues. Yes, probably. Like, I think that's not 
I mean, the Aviva Stadium, it's only in the Aviva this year because it was supposed to be in Spurs Stadium, but Spurs have a match that weekend because of the World Cup and it got pushed back and the RFU basically swooped in to, the re- to, to rescue the whole thing. So it's not like it's some um, conspiracy against everyone else that the, you know, the World Rugby based in Dublin, EPCR, like this is all the stuff that you kind of, it's almost inferred by what's going on. Um, I, I think the Aviva Stadium is a perfectly good hosting venue. We've had it two oh, finals so, so yeah, there. It, it so totally I, I think it's a per- totally perfectly is. fair place to have it. I don't want to bring up bad memories for Gordon, but it's been there twice before, and neither time Leinster <laughs> were able to get there. You know, Leo Cullen keeps the, the old three program on his desk at the moment to try and remind them mm-hmm. how things can go wrong. You know, um, we can it's do not half like an error in that another night, Gordon. <laughs> it's not like it's an automatic thing. You know, I mean, they're not there yet. No, I know. The semi-final thing. Um, like it used to be that you have to have home country and obviously Munster have had to bring it up um, to the Aviva a couple of times maybe they should have to play the, the semi-final in Thomond or Cork to, to try, you know, as a neutral venue in country but that the tournament rules are what they are and I they're playing by them No, I, listen, I, I take all of those points and it, it's hard to disagree with them too strongly but I think the final is too important and home advantage in rugby is too significant and the showpiece should be absolutely as neutral as possible. Of course, we have to play the tournament in certain countries and that final should move around. But I mean, if... Real Madrid have played... They have finals in the Bird about No, I appreciate that. I, I, I think that should be moved last minute as well. Logistics allowing. Or I think there should be a standby. Well, you just... You've said... <laughs> you've put the... Like, there's reality and then there's... Let's have a nice chat about this. Like, we couldn't, we couldn't organise dates and times for the... Uh, for last week's matches. They got like... You know, they didn't have the uh, what you would rounds finished on Sunday evening, and then we're like, okay, quickly, you're playing Friday night, you're playing Saturday, you're playing Sunday. Yeah. So, if you think they're going to, they can't get that right. How are you going to organise? Oh, I, two I, tournaments, I, I, two stadiums on on standby. On I, I think it's doable. I think it's doable. I think you could go, you could absolutely commit to Dublin, and maybe it's Crow Park for just an increased sense of fairness. Like I think if Racine were playing a final in their stadium, might have the same qualms. I just think you should strive for as much many, neutrality as possible. As the stadium doesn't make the difference, the travel makes the difference. So, okay, fair point. If you're saying we've go to the Aviva, go to Crow Park, as a player, couldn't care less. Okay. You don't think the familiarity of the the Aviva is an added advantage, no? You don't think the familiarity of the Aviva of playing these last five, six games and it really feeling like a home stadium is an added advantage, no? No. If you're, if you're, if that's, if that's a, if that's a factor in a player's head, You've lost the you've lost the thing. That's kind of like, oh, I didn't pack my yellow boot. Oh my god, my yellow sock that I wear under, you know, with two four, two holes in it. Like that's superstition. Really, that doesn't doesn't make much difference. Mm. The difference makes the travel. Yeah, okay. The, the, the travel I'd accept. I don't. I don't. I don't fully agree with you. I think there is a great value in in these uh, players being so familiar with the ground and feeling so at home in a ground. Um, Look, logistically, I don't think it should be beyond a tournament to organise this. I genuinely don't. It's not that complicated. And you haven't organised it so there's enough of a gap between semi-final and final. You put fans on alert. Uh, It's just a viewpoint. That's all. No, like, if it was possible to do it, and if I don't have a problem with the idea of it, but I know from talking with DPCR that it takes them a year to sell out the stadium. and, And having the destination final means they can guarantee a certain number of tickets are sold um, like there, w- there will be fans from all over Europe at this game who are not either Leinster or mm. sorry, I mean, I'm presuming Leinster from one of the four teams yeah, yeah. that are that are left because they went. I want to go to the European final this year. You know that that is it's part of the culture of it all. Um, 
like the World oh. Cup, they they do the draw three years in advance so they can sell tickets, which is even more ridiculous. But that, like, sell, like Leinster couldn't sell out the Viva on Good Friday partly because it was Good Friday, but also because they only had six. They, Leinster need at least a month to sell out the Viva. Like it takes, there's more to like the two the two teams won't necessarily sell it out. I mean, um, would La Rochelle and Leinster have sold out last year if it was taking place in London? Um, maybe you know, I, I'm not sure that it would. Like you know, if if they only had three weeks to plan it. The way flights are at the moment, like there are reasons that they, they do all this, and that's what that's the reasons they'll give for it. Like it, this Leinster squad will never have a chance to win the European Cup on home soil again, apart from maybe Jamie Osborne and Joe McCarthy who are twenty twenty one, because it doesn't come. It only comes around once a decade, and now the South Africans are in. They'll play finals in Cape Town before they play them in Dublin again. So, um, it's a once off thing, and no one was complaining when Exeter won a Champions Cup in Bristol. No one complained when Saracens won one in Newcastle. You know, in, in the same country, you know, La Rochelle won it in Marseille. With loads of their own home fan, their, their own fans who got in the car, you know got in the car to go down last year, whereas Leinster fans had to pay a fortune to go over. Like Irish people should be allowed to go to the European Cup final in Ireland at least once every ten years. I don't think that's uh, you know unfair really. And next year Leinster will have to go and win it somewhere else, probably in Spurs Stadium in London, where they could be playing against Saracens, you know, which is in their neck of the woods. I like I don't see it as a big, it's it's, think, it's a quirk of this year's faith. I do take the, I take a point though, Joe, that. The neutrality of the stadium, it to be to be honest, I think that is if if it was feasible, I do understand the point in just saying from a spectator, you put stock in that going that levels it slightly in a neutral venue. The team who's played in England, say if it's Sarfans, they end up in the in the stadium. That's not their main stadium, so it's slightly nuanced for them, and they're a little bit uncomfortable for the other t- team. They've got to travel. Yeah, no, I get it, but. Really, do you, Jen? After what after what Rory's saying there, I think the, I think the, the, well, logistics. the logistics. Thanks very much. My brain just on uh, on pause there. The yeah. logistics of it really probably make it don't don't feasible don't make it feasible. Probably not. Probably not. Um, very quick word. We got to go. URC this weekend. Leinster and Munster both in South Africa. Very contrasting vibe to the two trips so Leinster have taken a lot of inexperience and like what an amazing uh, consequence free opportunity to give them amazing game time against high level opposition and Munster go down there clinging on for uh, dear life in some respects and have to come away with points is that the gist? Yeah well they got to finish in the top six to be sure of, of European qualification because um, the Scarlets and Benetton are still in the Challenge Cup and if either of, either of them win the Challenge Cup then only six the top six your uh, URC teams will go through to uh, the Champions Cup next season, so they've got to win one of these games. Like obviously that might not happen. Toulon or Glasgow could win it, so be the top seven will be enough. But Connacht are playing um, Cardiff and the, and Glasgow in their last two games. They should win one of them and get bonus points in the other. Um, and, and Munster have a couple of teams hot in their heels, including the Sharks and the Bulls, who are at home for their last two games. The Bulls have Zebra, who are terrible, and Leinster, who have sent over a second string. The Sharks have Munster and Benetton, who they both fancy beating in Durban. Everyone else is going to get results. Munster can't rely on just squeezing through. They've got to get a result over there against either Stormers this weekend or the Sharks next weekend. And the last time they were in Durban to play the Sharks, they chipped 50. And the Stormers have something to play for as well because they're going for second spot in a home quarterfinal, semifinal. They need to fend off Ulster. So it's really, really difficult. And having conceded loads of points in their last three games, there's a massive leap to be made by Munster that they're not, they're not in form they have to find form really quickly or else they're going to not qualify for the Champions Cup for the first time in their history. Yeah. Your sense of Munster going down there, Gordon? 
Yeah, it's like really disappointing. Um, the two games they have, you'd almost love if they were playing the Sharks this week and they might be able to to catch them off a little bit of a European hangover. But like, they've got to throw themselves at it this week. They really have to. It's this is their this is their final this this weekend. They just have to go. Um, you know, the team kind of picks it picks itself, but they kind of have to pick up. Um, Pick up, pick up, pick up their pieces, and this is like everything they've been building this year. All the good stuff they've done, they just have to put it, put it together in this match. Can they do it? It's really hard because the, that's just that physicality of the um, of the Stormers. Um, but yeah, cautiously optimistic, isn't it? Because I want them to win. I want them to get the points down there and to be in the uh, kind of top half of that table. If they, well, in the top six, if they can, if they can be uh, for next season, because I think it is. A, it's a fair reward for what they've. How I suppose the transformation they've gone through, um, gone through this season, um, and a great testament to that to coaching ticket and to the buy-in from all the players. So, I'm I'm hopeful. For, I'm hopeful that they deliver a performance just enough to get uh, get them over the over the over the get the four points. Okay, very good. We'll see how the weekend plays out, fellas. We're out of time. Our rugby coverage and off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Roy O'Connor of the Irish Independent. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Cheers, Roy. And Gordon Darcy, pleasure. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.